I'm Heidi Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. You can also find me live Sunday nights in St. Louis, 7 to 9 p.m. on 97.1 FM Talk. I also do videos during the week. You can find them at HeidiHarris.com. If you forget everything I just said, check out HeidiHarris.com. My guest is Dr. Wayne Grudem. It's been a while since I've had a chance to talk to him. He is a distinguished research professor of theology and biblical studies at Phoenix Seminary in Arizona. Now, the reason I'm talking with Dr. Grudem is because I had a chance recently to come across one of his books. Now, he's written over 20 books over the years. But this one I came across, and I had never read it before, and I'm embarrassed to say I hadn't. But it's excellent, and it's very timely. you got to have this on your shelf it's a big, thick book, but it's fantastic. It's almost like an encyclopedia. It's called Politics According to the Bible, a comprehensive resource for understanding modern political issues in light of scripture. And boy, it's always applicable, obviously, but I think more so now than ever before. Dr. Gruden, welcome back to The Heidi Harris Show. Thank you, Heidi. It's an extensive book, but I want to focus on the five wrong views of Christians and the government, beginning with the idea that uh, government should compel religion. Could you please expand on that? Dr. Grudem, because some people actually believe that. Well, historically, uh, churches uh, have forced people to become members of the church, even find them for not going to church in England for some time, and um, force people to support one religion, one specific religion or another. Uh, you get that in Muslim countries today. But it's the wrong view of Christians' influence on government because a genuine Christian faith cannot be forced or compelled. Um, it has to be an individual decision for people to believe in Jesus Christ or believe in some other religion. And I think any parent who has raised children realizes that you can bring your children to church and you can teach them the Bible, but you can't force them to become Christians. Right. Uh, that's the choice they have to make. So parents can't even force their children to be genuine Christians. The government surely cannot do an effective job of it. So the idea that government should compel religion is the first of five wrong views on the Christians and government. And you talked in the in your book about uh, Jesus, and you said that uh, there was a particular example where the the, uh, the disciples were asking him about whether Jesus wanted them to send fire down and consume these people who disagree with Jesus. Right. Now, that would have been a very opportune moment for Jesus to go, if you don't believe in me, I'm going to have fire come down and torch you. That's not what happened. And Jesus basically rebuked his disciples. Talk about that, doctor. Well, you could say this was a wonderful new strategy for evangelism. <laughs> the, the village that rejected Jesus was consumed with fire from heaven. The next village would have 100% attendance. <laughs> <laughs> but the next verse says Jesus turned and rebuked them. Right, and that's, that's an important passage, and you talk about that in your, your book. Once again, this book is Politics According to the Bible. Excellent. I mean, it's just a reference everybody needs to have on their shelf. All right, let's now talk about number two. Government should exclude religion. A lot of people may be on the left-leaning side of politics, and not every left-leaning person, but you seem to see more of that. Or people, even people of, of faith, uh, will say, oh, no, well, government should never get involved with religion. Talk a little bit about the distinction there. Well, this is something the American founders never in, never intended when they talked about uh, government not making an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. These are people that want to prohibit the free exercise of religion. They want to, what I say, government should exclude religion is the wrong view. 
Um, they would want to take down any display of uh, Christmas decorations um, in a city park, for instance, or a school. They would want to take the Ten Commandments off the wall if it was posted. If they were posted someplace. That is kind of a campaign to exclude any religious speech from the public square, and that is certainly wrong as well. Um, from a biblical standpoint, and I teach the Bible here at the Phoenix Seminary, um, where are our government leaders going to get sound moral principles for governing and for guiding if Christians or people who have religious faith in general aren't allowed to speak to those issues from the perspective of their religious conviction. That's very important. And also, you know, we do think about the First Amendment. It's freedom of religion. It's not freedom from religion, right, exactly. Doctor? Exactly. Yeah. Now, talk to me about the Ten Commandments and why some people are just so offended by that kind of thing, or if some judge were to have some scripture. You know, there's a lot of scripture in the Bible about fairness and justice, you know, to people and things like that. If a judge were to have something like that in his or her chambers or in public view, uh, talk about why that wouldn't be a violation of anything. Well, the judge should have freedom of speech. He should, um, the, the government shouldn't hinder their hamstring or prevent the free exercise of religion. And if he has, if his chambers have the Ten Commandments, um, I don't think, I, I think it might be unacceptable in current American law, but I don't think it should be. Those are universal principles. Um, what's wrong with saying murder is wrong, adultery is wrong, lying is wrong, stealing is wrong? Right. There's nothing wrong. Our, our laws are based on that here in right. America. I mean, throughout the world, there are certain laws that are based on the Ten Commandments, whether or not people follow the Bible. Right. You know, well, why, why is murder wrong? Well, tell me why. Well, you know, the murderer didn't think it was wrong. Well, there's, <laughs> there's got to yeah. be an absolute truth, correct? So that's the wrong view number two, the government should exclude religion. And thankfully in American society, recently there's been some pushback against that view. Um, so um, a recent Supreme Court case in Maine and uh, another one or two Supreme Court cases have given more freedom to express religious views in public. Yeah, I just saw a story just this morning that came out uh, about a San Diego church that's now barred, barred from renting a local venue. It's a local uh, a venue for concerts because they don't do religious, you know, accommodations. Right. I mean, you know, that's, they're going to lose. That's what the Constitution says is wrong, is forbidden to prohibit the free exercise of religion. Uh, discriminating against an organization that wants to rent a building just because it's a religious organization is illegal, is unconstitutional. And uh, I think it'll be taken care of eventually. Yeah, it was about this. Co remember this coach? I don't know you followed the story. Who actually won his case? He was just praying on the field. He wasn't compelling anybody else to believe anything. Right. He wasn't even compelling anybody to pray with him. Boy, they had a fit about that, and ultimately they lost. I'm so grateful for that. Right. That was a six-three decision. Coach Kennedy in was it Washington State or Oregon? Yeah, he was up in Bremerton, Washington. You know, and it's so sad, Dr. Grudem, because it shouldn't come down to a couple of picks by Trump and a couple other conservatives. I mean, this is, should be basic understanding. Well, I'm encouraged, Heidi, that the, the theory of interpretation called originalism or original meaning of the words of the Constitution are what should govern court decisions. That viewpoint has become more and more powerful, I think, is the correct way of interpreting the Constitution and laws. 
mm-hmm. um, what the words would have meant to a reasonable interpreter at the time they were written. And that's important. But you look at some of these groups, and I'm not going to name them, you know who they are, who freak out at the mere appearance of a cross. If there's a cross even on private property, they're filing lawsuits. I mean, even when I wasn't a Christian, I wasn't offended by this kind of thing. I mean, I wasn't a Christian until I was 21 years old, and I wasn't offended because somebody sang a Christmas carol or had a cross or whatever. I I just don't understand their animosity toward anything that resembles Christianity. I mean, if they're so offended by it, I guess they could just ignore it, right? Another thing you mentioned in your book, Dr. Grudem, is the idea that all government is evil and demonic, and therefore people shouldn't be involved in it. I know people who believe that. Why should I even get involved as a Christian? Please talk about that, sir. Well, that view has more recently been popularized in a book by Greg Boyd, a uh, pastor in Minnesota. He called this book The Myth of a Christian Nation. And um, he said that government power is the realm of Satan and demons, and uh, we shouldn't, as Christians, get involved in it. We should stay away. Um, He based it partly on Luke 4, or Matthew 4, um, where Jesus is tempted and the devil tells him, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and, and its glory, and said, all this will be yours if you fall down and worship me, because it has all been given to me. And um, Jesus rebukes him. But Greg Boyd says, uh, Satan here tells us that he has power over all of the earthly governments. And my response to that is Jesus tells us how to understand what Satan says. Jesus calls Satan a liar and the father of lies. And um, the Bible has a positive view of civil government. In Romans 13, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And so it doesn't prohibit Christians from um, seeing government as a force for good, in general, though there are certain corrupt governments and people who make mistakes. But in general, it's a blessing from God that we've been given government and that we have an opportunity to participate in it, um, I think is uh, an amazing privilege. Well, that's an important point, Dr. Grudem. I want to stop you there. That really is important. Because when you look at the Book of Kings, for example, when they said, oh, well, we, we, we don't want God running our country. We want a king like those yeah. other people have, right? And then, you know, they get a king, and, of course, they get a flawed person, as always. But I think it's important that, that you, what you said, and we need to remember that as Christians, we have an amazing ability in America to actually participate in our government and that is not something to be glossed over and i know you're not glossing over it but i mean that is something to be appreciated every day at least we get a say and we ought to be grateful for that um i did a few years ago i was on a plane from phoenix arizona to washington dc and um i looked about three rows behind me i thought it was a congressman from arizona and he had on his lapel a round pin that is worn by members of Congress. So I went back to him and I said, are you so-and-so? And he said, no, I'm so-and-so. And he was a conservative Republican from an agricultural area of California. And he talked with me for a few minutes and we got off the plane and we were still talking. And I said to him, you know, this is amazing. You are a member of the most powerful government of the most powerful his- nation ever in the history of the world, and I can talk to you. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. 
Right. That's a really good point. Although some of these politicians, I've known a lot of these clowns for a long time. I wouldn't want to talk to some of them, but you're, <laughs> but you're right, Dr. Grudem, that you actually can sit down and talk to people and they're, they're you know, they, they should be accessible to us. But yeah. that is something that most of the world will never even understand. And that is so important. Dr. Grudem, some people are concerned that we should just you know, do evangelism and just forget about politics. What do you say about that? Here the question is, should we just focus on evangelism and bring people to, to Christ? Or does the Bible speak to all of life and give us guidance for all of life? I am convinced that the Bible is a source of guidance and wisdom for all of life. And if pastors don't teach about the responsibility of government and moral right and wrong when there are issues of morality, I think they're shirking their duty. Right. Um, are you going to preach on Romans 13 that talks about government? What about First Peter 2 that talks about government? What about the stories of good and evil kings in the Old Testament? What about the Proverbs and the Psalms that talk about responsibilities of government leaders? Uh, there's a lot in the Bible about government and how it should function and how, how you can distinguish a good or evil government. That's um, true. In addition, there I, I looked, Heidi, I looked through the... Um, Old Testament and New Testament to see were there any examples of God's people, believers influencing not just the nation of Israel but influencing other secular, pagan, unbelieving governments. And yes, I go all the way back to Genesis 41 and there's Joseph in high office next to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Right. Second in command. Or I see uh, Esther um, briefly risking her life to go before the uh, Hashuavis, the uh, Persian king. Right. And she influences his decision as a king. And her relative Mordecai later was put in second in command over the kingdom. John the Baptist rebuked Herod for all the evil that he had done. <clears throat> and that included, no doubt, many policies. Exactly. So Christians can affect policy, sometimes in amazing ways, historic ways, but certainly they've got to stay involved. Well, if I... I'm supposed to love my neighbors myself. Do I care about my neighbor, whether his store is broken into and vandalized, or whether drunk drivers are vandalized and there's peace and stability maintained in society? Right. And as a talk show host, certainly I criticize politicians because they work for me. I, I'm entitled to criticize them. I'm entitled to, yeah. to call them to account because I voted them in. They, they're on my dime. Yeah. All right, the final one in the five wrong views about Christians and the government. Once again, this book is fantastic. It's called Politics According to the Bible. Get a copy. Keep it handy as a reference to all kinds of things that are going on politically. I mean, it's very well researched. It's excellent, excellent. I can't say enough about it. Final one is uh, do politics, not evangelism. And I got to tell you something doctor i've been pretty disheartened over the last couple of years when people have you know put all their eggs in the trump basket so to speak and, and i'm not i voted for him twice or i'm not saying people shouldn't vote for somebody i was speaking to a group of people shortly before trump was elected and i had a woman stand up and she said trump's gonna save us and i said whoa hang on a second <laughs> yeah if, first if, if no no politician could save us we all know that the bible's clear on that i'm gonna have you elaborate on it but i said to her i said if trump could save us he would also have the power to destroy us. So talk yeah. about that, Doctor. Yeah. Incidentally, I was able to give a copy, autographed copy of this book personally to Donald Trump. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know if he read a page of it, but <laughs> I, he walked out of the room holding it in his hand. So. What, where, now, where was that that you got to meet him? At Trump Tower in New York City. Um, 
uh, an unpublicized meeting of some Christian leaders six weeks before he was elected. I love that, that Donald Trump has a copy of this book. I am thrilled to hear that, doctor. So talk about that. The people who put all their trust in politicians to save the country and say, oh, the heck with it. I'll, you know, I'll go to church when I get around to it. I'm not worried about that. All, all of our trust has got to be put in this politician. We've got to win back the Senate. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. Talk to those people, yeah. doctor. Well, um, it's, it, it's a matter of keeping in the most important things maintaining the most important things and not losing them. I, I, I admit, Heidi, that some people are, I think, called by God to run for office. And there are some very wonderful Christians uh, working for the government and they, camp- they campaign for office. And a lot of their life is going to be taken up with politics. But the problem is when people forget about the heart of the gospel, which is to believe in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins and to earn salvation, to gain salvation through trusting in him. A um, hundred years ago, the social gospel movement in the United States forgot about, well, they, they were all about overcoming the problem of slums and the uh, problem of alcoholism and other societal problems. And they became so focused on, fo- on fixing these social problems that they forgot the heart of the gospel message, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And that's certainly a wrong approach, too, to putting all our hopes in, uh, in, a, in a political candidate or party or movement. And you were right to disagree with the woman who said Trump's going to save us. Right. Nobody can. And, and I think that, you know, certainly we should pay attention to what goes on. We should try to make the world a better place in any way we can. But we also understand that it's a fallen world and uh, Satan's right. in charge of this. And we, we can't do everything. And I, I know as a talk show host, sometimes I get on the air and I or I'll get on the news in the morning and I just I'm just disheartened by what I see happening. And if I didn't believe that God was in charge, doctor, yeah. I'm telling you, I would be despondent. But I know who's really in charge. And so I don't give all this power uh, mentally. For, for me, I don't give the power to these politicians. I know that ultimately God's in charge. They can muck things up, and they are constantly mucking things up. But then I think back to the Bible. You, you know, f- throughout human history, there's been rotten leadership, corrupt leadership. You look. I've been reading the book of Kings this last week again, and you know, he was worse than his father. He was worse than his father. Every once in a while, you get a bright spot, but most of them are just corrupt, corrupt, corrupt. Yet yeah. God calls us to continue with his plan regardless of who's in charge. He never says, you know, Jesus never said, you know what, I'd love to get this thing going. But, you know, we got Herod in charge, and, you know, we can't do anything as long as he's in charge. That was never the focus. Yeah, good point. So now we got five wrong views. Are we going to get the right view? (laughs) Right. Let's talk about the right view. Um, I call it significant Christian influence on government. Significant Christian influence, influence through voting, influence through conversations with friends influence through persuading people, perhaps perhaps contributing to a campaign, perhaps running for school board or Congress or the presidency. Um, significant Christian influence. That's not government-compelling religion. It doesn't force anybody to become a member of any church. It's not government-excluding religion. It's allowing religious speech to be permitted and allowed in the public square. It's not saying government is evil and demonic and Christians shouldn't have anything to do with it. It's not doing evangelism, not politics. It's doing some of both. It's not politics, not evangelism. It's it's some of both. So significant Christian influence, that's not dictating to others what they should believe. It's uh, it's making persuasive arguments in the public uh, realm, uh, attempting to persuade people. And uh, I think there are many examples of that throughout history. 
Absolutely. So talk a little bit about the United States being a Christian nation. A lot of people say that because of what we were founded on. I mean, I don't want to live in a theocracy. You don't want to live in a theocracy uh, and, you know, forcing everybody to, to go anyplace Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever it might be. Talk a little bit about that concept of the United States as a Christian nation. Yes, it, it could mean so many different things. I think I list six different things. It could maybe five different things. It could mean to say the United States is a Christian nation. Um, are there strong Christian influences in the founding of the United States? Yes, uh, there are. Um, in fact, one of my wife's ancestors was William Brewster, an elder on the Mayflower. Oh, wow. And um, there's a picture in the Capitol Rotunda of him with the Bible in front of him. How great. Leading the Mayflower pilgrims in, uh, in prayer. Wow. Um, so there's significant Christian influence on government. Throughout history, there have been people like uh, William Wilberforce in England who yes. campaigned against the slave trade and against slavery. Uh, Christians have brought hospitals and schools uh, and colleges to many nations. Not to mention human rights, Doctor, when you know you talk about the rights of, of, of babies and when they used to be put outside because they weren't the right sex or because yeah. mom and, you know, somebody yeah. didn't want them. I mean, nobody cared about that until Jesus. Yeah. to Christianity. And uh, Christians were responsible for reforming the gladiator contest in ancient Rome where the loser would be put to death. And that was outlawed eventually. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking with Dr. Wayne Grudem from Phoenix Seminary in Arizona about his book, Politics According to the Bible. Talk about Jesus and women's rights, because when you think about how we treated the Samaritan women and, and what the Bible says about and elevates women, talk about how women were treated prior to Jesus, to, prior to Christianity taking hold. Well, the Bible has a much higher view of, of women uh, than much of ancient culture, where um, a wife was uh, not treated as a full equal, not able to have uh, testimony, give testimony in court, and um, not having voting rights or anything. It's Christians who led to gaining voting rights and equality of property ownership and equality before the law for women as well as for men, based on Genesis 1 that says, God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. Both men and women are created in the image of God, which is the highest status of any creature. And we share that status equally. And so we're, we have differences between men and women, but uh, we have equal value before God and uh, equal personhood and fullness of rights that are given by God. Right, and who did Jesus appear to first? Women. I mean, if women were not considered important, why would he have wasted his, <laughs> his appearance on them at first? They were the yeah. first ones to be running, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, he's risen, he's risen. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. And then, of course, talking with the Samaritan woman at the well, I mean, that just was something that if you thought women, a woman was nothing but chattel, you wouldn't have ever spoken to her. That would, just wouldn't have happened. That was culturally not going to happen. Right. So go call your husband. <laughs> I have no husband. Yeah, I know you're that. You're right. You've, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. <laughs> yeah, you burn through five of them, you're living with number six. We know. I know all about you, lady. <laughs> 
<laughs> but to talk to her in that situation, to elevate her, to even speak to her, these are the things that they, you know, that, that people forget about and how the Bible treats treats women. It elevates them to a level they never had before. All right, final question, Dr. Grudem. I'm so thrilled to talk to you. Once again, the book is called Politics According to the Bible. Everybody, even Donald Trump, has a copy of this book. Everyone needs to have a copy of this. I love it that you gave Trump the book. I, I love that, Doctor. I can't even tell you how thrilled I am about that. I got it. Well, I've had other feedback that's been positive on the book. Well, that's, that's, it's just, it's wonderful. All right, you talk about the obligations of all Christian citizens. And what would those be politically, sir? Well, to be informed and to vote, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage Christians to um, perhaps work on, volunteer to work on a campaign, or if they're able to give some time, or perhaps give some money, even $10 or $25 contributions mean a lot to uh, people being able to get elected and um, vote wisely. I think for pastors, I would encourage pastors to make available areas where there can be forums to discuss candidates and issues, uh, to give out literature for various campaigns. Right, and that's important, Doctor. I want to stop you there because a lot of people think, oh, churches can't do that. Well, they absolutely can do that. So real quickly, would you elaborate on that? Because a lot of people feel as if that's a violation, but it's not. Yes. um, The IRS tells churches they can't advocate for a specific candidate for or against a specific candidate. I think that's a wrongful interpretation of the freedom of religion and freedom of speech clauses in the Constitution. It hasn't been resolved at the court level yet. But certainly nonpartisan voter guides are inviting both. You know, a pastor could invite both candidates for U.S. Congress or both candidates for um, uh, local government election, school board or something, to come to a panel discussion at the church on a Sunday night or a Monday night. There'd be nothing wrong with that at all and it would lead to an informed electorate. Yeah, I think that's that's really important, and a lot of people just, uh, for some reason, don't feel like they, they, they should be able to do that, and they should absolutely do that, because you're not going to find perfect people. You know, Jesus is not going to run, but we're certainly always looking for the best possible people, and right. and those who, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, more, more values than others. Do you think pastors should run for office, or do you think they should stick to their calling? I can't decide that for individual people. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be that God is calling a pastor to leave the pastor and run for office. I think there is a um, U.S. senator from Oklahoma used to be a youth pastor and a, and a Christian camp leader. So I, I can't decide. I think in general, pastors should stay pastors. Um, but I want to allow for God to call individuals in specific circumstances. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's uh, things are getting, you know, well, they've always been interesting, let's say. And the last couple of years certainly have been even more crazy for this country. But I am so grateful for you, and I'm so grateful for, you know, the, you've put out over 20 books over the years, and you're teaching throughout the years. And this book is fantastic, Politics According to the Bible. It's excellent, and it's always a privilege to talk to you, Dr. Grudem. And you just keep, keep doing you, as they say. Thank you, Heidi. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Don't forget, on Sunday nights, you can catch me live on my St. Louis show, 97.1 FM Talk, 7 to 9 p.m. St. Louis time. During the week, I do videos. I post them at Rumble, Heidi Harris Show, and I also put them up at HeidiHarris.com. So you couldn't get away from me even if you wanted to. You can also subscribe and find these podcasts anywhere you get podcasts. Until we meet again, please think for yourself. I'm begging you, especially when it comes to certain shots. And 
Remember that you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell.